Well, we're going to be all around in the Word of God today, so I didn't necessarily put a theme scripture in there, but uh, you have enough scriptures to, to be looking at. I actually have a couple of extras that didn't make it into the outline, and you can write them down as, you, as we go if you want to. But a woman once wrote, and she wrote the editor of uh, Christianity Today, and she wrote this story. One afternoon, my four-year-old niece Paige and my six-year-old daughter Ashley started an argument, which grew louder and louder. I was about to intervene when my daughter stormed down the stairs. Mom, she yelled, Jesus wants us to be the salt of the earth, and Paige is being the pepper. <laughs> Sometimes we get into place and peace just doesn't seem to be where we, we want it to be. We've been looking at how to become effective in our prayers, to have prayers that are effective, to be effective in praying. We don't necessarily have to have long prayers, but we need to have effective ones. They need to be worded right. They need to be based on the Word of God. A lot of times people are praying for things that they're not supposed to be praying for. Sticking their nose in areas where they shouldn't be sticking their nose. Praying for things that they want, not what the Word of God said they can have. All sorts of stuff like that. So we're just going through the Word of God and looking at, first off, how our prayers can be effective. And then, secondly, how, once we, we make that a goal to be effective in prayers, how do we pray for some of these things? Last week we looked at joy. How do I become effective in praying for joy? We saw that in Philemon 1 and verse 6, it said that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. We used that as a basis two weeks ago, that we need to know who we are in Jesus, what is yours in Jesus, and every good thing that God has placed in you by Jesus. If you're going to become effective in prayers, you need to know these three things. Last week, we were looking at joy. We saw that joy is not happiness. Joy comes from the inside out, and happiness comes from the outside in, God's joy is from Him to our spirit. He is the source, the Holy Spirit is the connection, and we are the reservoir. We have actions based out of the reservoir of joy on the inside of us. Like faith, when joy is on the inside of me, I must act on it. Faith, Having faith and not acting on it does you no good. Having joy and not acting on it does you no good either. You got you to gotta act on it. I was reading in a, a book by John Maxwell. And he was talking about motivation. How many times have people said, oh, I just don't feel motivated to, and you fill in the blank. I don't feel motivated to mow the lawn. I don't feel motivated to wash the dishes. I don't feel motivated to do the laundry. We just, how many times do you not feel motivated about something? <laughs> and he was talking about that, uh, you know, we, we can't wait around for the motivation. That too often people are waiting for the motivation to do something when actually the doing of the thing creates the motivation. The doing of a thing causes us to be in faith. The doing of a thing exposes the joy that we have on the inside. Most of the time the joy is mentioned in the New Testament, it is during times of trial. Almost every time that joy is mentioned in the New Testament, it's mentioned when people are going through trial, test, hard times. There are four parts of joy we saw, the source, which is God, the path or the connection, which is the Holy Spirit, the reservoir, which is in our spirit, and then the function. We need to act out of joy. We need to have actions out of joy. If we're going to be praying for joy, we don't pray for the source because he's always got plenty. We don't pray for the connection because the Holy Spirit is doing just fine. And if, what we need to do is maintain that connection, and prayer won't do that for you. You need to get into the Word. You need to learn about the Word. You need to, to, to do things about to maintain that relationship. Your spirit, perfectly able to hold all the joy it needs to hold. What we need to pray for 
is that while actions come against us, we don't give in to the actions that come against us. We don't come into the tests and trials that come against us. We keep acting on the joy that is on the inside of us. And that's why we looked at Paul and the request he had for prayer in this area. If you missed all that, it's up online. You can go up there and get it. But here we're going to talk about peace. Many times you hear people, well, I just don't feel at peace. I don't have peace going on the inside of me. I need peace, whatever it is, and they're praying for peace. And we want to take a look at that here so we can be effective in our prayers. There are three types of peace. First off, there's peace with others. In Matthew 9, verse 50, salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Salt, not pepper, huh? We're going to have peace with others. That's one place peace comes in. Here's the second place, peace with God. We need to have peace with God. In Luke 2, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. In Romans 5, 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's peace with others. There's peace with God. But here's the one that hits us most closely to home, peace in ourselves. We need to have peace in ourselves. And there's all kinds of scriptures about that. We're going to be looking at those today. But peace, I pulled this from a couple of different definitions in the dictionary. I pulled from about two or three of them to Put this in there. And I did have it in your outline, but, you know, something had to go. There was just not enough room. So it went. But if you like it, you can write it down. The cessation, peace is the cessation of or freedom from any strife, dissension, or disquieting and or oppressive thoughts or emotions. That's what peace is. Did I leave it in there? Oh, I thought I had to pull that one out. Well, good. Then you don't have to write it down. That's not a uh, uh, definition you'll find in a dictionary. I was kind of pulling from a a few different ones, and we're just looking at the idea of peace for ourselves here. The cessation of or freedom from any strife, dissension, or disquieting, and or oppressive thoughts or emotions. And this is what the Word of God will help us minister, minister to us on. So how is peace lost? How is it that we can be at peace and then not at peace? I put it in your outline this way. Peace is not worn away like strength. It can, be, it can leave suddenly when something bad comes in. How many times have you known, you know, things are going along fine, you're at peace, and all of a sudden something <laughs> bad comes in? And what happens to peace? It doesn't fade away, it goes. It's either there or it's not. We put uh, three things in here, three areas where bad stuff comes from. First of all, we have bad circumstances, right? Bad circumstances, bad stuff happening around you, that'll rob you of your peace. That'll at least try to. Bad circumstances come in. You know, people get mad at you. Uh, trouble at, the, at work. Car breaks down. Stuff like that. Circumstances coming against you. Uh, bad news. Bad news. You get a call from the doctor. You get a call from the bank. Bill collector says, you know, the bill that you owe is four times what you thought it was. Stuff like that. Bad news. That can do it. And another one is bad notions. Bad notions, bad thoughts, bad, bad things coming into your head. You know, it doesn't have to be news that comes from the outside. It doesn't have to be circumstances. Sometimes we can just imagine bad things happening. We have bad circumstances, bad news, and bad notions. You want to remember that? It put a little acronym in there for you. Guess what it is? CNN. CNN's always bad. Nothing good on CNN. <laughs> so that way I'll help you remember that a little bit better. Bad circumstances, bad news, and bad notions are all going to try and come in and rob you of your peace. 
We're going to try and take that peace from where you're riding high, doing good, having fun, and then bang, there it goes. Just goes away. Like I said, peace doesn't go gradually. It seems to go all at once. It's either there or bang, it's going away. Peace with God can depart when we fall into a lifestyle of disobedience. I don't say when we sin, because when we sin, we haven't necessarily lost peace with God. Fortunately, God comes along. He corrects us. He uh, disciplines us. He gets us back into the right spot that we need to be in. But if we have a lifestyle of sin, and we pick up that lifestyle of sin and don't change from it, we can uh, lose that peace we have with God. It can be brought back again, but we can lose that peace that we have with God. How many know the Old Testament has times when Israel lost that peace they had with God? Why? Not because of an act of sin, but because of a lifestyle. <laughs> they kept going in a certain way. Well, peace with others can go when an offense is carried out, either by you towards them or by them towards you. When offense is carried out, when someone actually does something to offend people, uh, the peace can be lost at that spot. Isn't that right? Now, here's another one. When peace is lost, when an offense is perceived. Have you ever heard people talk to you about something that they got offended that you did, but you didn't actually do anything? They just perceived it? Well, I thought you were mad at me because, well, you gave me that look. Well, you didn't say hi to me, right? They and they perceive some things. And peace can be lost, not because of anything that we've done, but because of things that people have perceived. And likewise, we also can perceive things of others. Oh, did you see the way so-and-so looked at me? I think they're mad at me. Wonder what I did. Huh. When an offense is carried out or when an offense is perceived. Here's the third one. When a contrary stand is made. How many times have you stood for something? And other people got mad at you for it. And peace was lost because you stood for a thing. Now, maybe that thing was right. Maybe that thing was wrong. But whatever it is, it was contrary to the people that you're making the stand with. And when a contrary stand is made, peace with other people can be lost. So these are some areas where peace with other people uh, can, be, can be lost. It can go. So we can, be, we can lose it ourselves. Through bad circumstances, bad news, bad notions. We can lose it with God through a lifestyle of disobedience or with others when an offense is carried out, perceived, or when a contrary stand is made. So we know how to, we know what peace is. We know how to lose it. You know, it's the easiest thing in the world to learn how to lose something. <laughs> it's the, the hard part is getting it back. How is peace recovered? When peace is perceived to have gone, whether it's for me, peace between me and God, or peace between me and others, when peace is perceived to have gone, many pray for its return. Oh, Father God, I need peace. How many times do people, Christians, go to God, oh, Father God, I want to make peace with you. I want to be at peace with you. I don't feel like I'm at peace with you. Oh, Father, we got a problem over here with so-and-so. Oh, I just pray that that situation gets resolved, that peace comes into that situation. Oh, Father, I feel like I myself, I'm, I'm low on peace. I'm feeling in turmoil. How is it? I, I need to get peace back. And we pray for peace in this way, but is it scriptural? In John 14, 27, 
Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, peace I leave with you. What did Jesus leave us? Peace. If he left it here, why are we asking him for it? (laughs) My peace I leave with you or I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give. Now, you can take that a couple of ways. One way you could take this is he doesn't give you the world's kind of peace. He gives you his kind. But another kind is he doesn't give it to you in the way that the world gives it to you. How does the world give you some things? Based on merit, based on clout, and sometimes they take those things back. He's not going to follow after the way of the world. He goes on. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, here's the thing that he's telling you. In me you have peace. In the world you have turmoil. If I, as a Christian, am in turmoil, where am I? In the world. How does it do any good to pray to God for peace if I am in the world? How did I get in the world? Well, bad circumstances, bad news, bad notions pulled me right into the world. I let circumstances dictate what I was thinking, what I was feeling. I let bad news come in and I decided to believe the bad report. Instead of what the Word of God said. I let a bad thought come in, a bad notion come in, and instead of believing what the Word of God said about me, I believed it. And I got pulled over into the world. If I am in turmoil, I am in the world. If I am in peace, I am in Him. Now, we are going to exist in this world, but we are to exist in this world in Him. And so that's where we need to be. We've got to maintain ourselves in him. Romans 3, verse 17. And the way of peace they have not known. Peace is a way. It's the way that we walk to be in him. Peace is a way. The world doesn't understand this. The world walks in such a way that peace is something that I have. And can gain again. No, peace comes, God's peace comes from walking in his way. There is a way that he has put out there. The word of God says, here is the path, here is the way. Walk ye in it. Walk in the way of God. Walk in the way of the, the, the narrow gate, the narrow way. Walk in the way. It's not easy to walk in the way, but if you walk in the way, you stay in the way of peace. The way of God, the way of God, the way, of, the way he's going to lead us is the way of peace. We stay on his way, we're in peace. One of the easiest things for you to be able to know that you got off path is that you're not at peace. If you're not at peace on the inside, you're off. You need to go before God. And instead they say, oh, God, I need peace. Say, Father God, something is wrong with my walk. What am I doing? <laughs> What's going on? The word of God says that if a man's ways please the Lord... Even his enemies are at peace with him. There's a way of peace. There's a way. We need to be in that way. 
In Romans 8, verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. And if we get out of the way of peace, we become carnally minded. We become more, uh, more knowledgeable, more aware of the CNN, the bad circumstances, the bad news, the bad notions. This will pull you into the way of the world. This will get you off of the way of God. So don't put CNN on your TV anymore. That's <laughs> just to help you remember. But to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Peace comes to us by actions, not prayers. Peace comes to us by actions, not prayers. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When I have actions born of the Spirit, born of the Word, I have actions that are leading to life and peace. Not this other way. The way of peace, in Romans 3.17 again, the way of peace they have not known. We need to know the way of peace. If you learn the way of peace, you won't get off of it. No, that's, that'll take me off the way of peace. I want to stay on this. This is the way of peace. This is the, the way right here. And uh, I don't want to leave that. I want to stay right on this thing. You know, having a good way, having a, a known way to go is a good thing. And don't veer off of it. I think I shared this story with you before, but share with us, some of you may have forgot or weren't here, but um, back in cross country when we were there at King's College, I think I told you, we used to run over at uh, the Rockefeller's estate. The Rockefeller's had hundreds of acres. They owned so much land up there, still do, I'm sure, at beautiful land. Most of it is just cedared trails leading through I mean, waterfalls and trees, and you do not even know that cars exist back there. And you just get on it. The whole thing was about two and, a half, two and a half miles. We had to run two and a half miles. And we would get to the entrance and we would get onto the Rockefeller Estate. And they had all these cedar trails and they would ride their horses back there. We never ran into them. But uh, we knew they were there. And so we had about two or three different routes that we would run back in this, this spot. And if the first time, you know, every time the rookies would go out there, I was a first year I was a rookie, he was, they were warning us about it. Do not veer off the path. Stay on the path, because if you veer off the path, there are many, many, many miles of trails back here, and you will get lost. Do not do it. So we did as any good-natured runner would do. We stayed on the trail. We didn't veer off to the right. We didn't veer off to the left, because we were concerned about not getting back. And so, you know, we let them show us the, the way. Once they showed us the way, we, after a while, we felt comfortable. We would go up there ourselves because you're just on trails. You're not on roads. It's just trails that some of them can look the same. But gorgeous. Oh, some of the best stuff I have ever run on 
was up there at King's College. I have never found in any place in this country stuff to run on that was as interesting, that was as fun as it was up there. Hardly ever were we on roads. When we were, those roads were challenging. It was fun. But anyway, we were running on here one time, and, and uh, one of the guys, uh, Jerry Lee, I believe his name was, and he was a junior or senior when I was a freshman. And he went out there, and uh, he made a wrong turn on the Rockefeller estate. And he just was running, and he just kept running, and he kept running. And after many, many hours, we saw him return. <laughs> now, he didn't, we didn't all go out there that day. He was just out there on his own, running on his own. And uh, they told me, that we, we tried to figure out about how far it was that he ran. And the number they came up with, and I don't know how they came up with it, but the number they told us they came up with was he ran 33 miles. Yeah, stay on the path. <laughs> stay on the path. It is not good to be 15 miles away from home and get tired. That is a bad thing to do. Ever hear that run, runner's phenomenon they call runner's euphoria? You know, you just get this feeling that you can run forever. And I'll tell you what, it does happen. But it usually happens somewhere around 8, 9, 10 miles. And uh, there is nothing like being 8, 9, 10 miles away from home, feeling like you can run forever and decide, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> because then you're around 15 miles, you suddenly realize, I can't run forever. And uh, now I'm 15 miles away from home. That's not a good feeling. It's not a good place to be. Stay on the path. You want to stay on the path, it's, it's there. God has a path for us. And he's basically saying this, stay on it. Don't get off of it. You get off it, it's going to be bad news. It's not going to help you. Stay on the path. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's not our prayer life that has caused us to fall out of peace. It's our lifestyle. It's our path. He goes on here in Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How does the peace of God come to you? By being anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Ethel was referring to that uh, first thing we did on Timothy, 1 Timothy, and on being thankful. I'll tell you what, it's too easy for us Christians to get out of the thankful mode. If you didn't go, go back and hear that, go back there and listen to that. That's something I got exhorted from. We got to make sure that we stay thankful. It is too easy to look at what we don't have, what wasn't done, what could have been, what should have been, what I deserve, all those sort of things, what people didn't do for you, and you miss what people do do for you. You look at the job that you wish you had and you miss the job that you do have. You look at the life that you want with God and you miss the life that you have with God. Always be thankful. Don't become thankful. Be thankful. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Basically, don't come to God and complain. Don't do it. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Some people that are wrestling in the area of peace, they go and they spend a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, even two hours 
praying to God, going over, grumbling about how things are, complaining about how things are, talking about things that are not being the way that they should, and they come out of prayer and they don't feel any better. Of course not. You wasted all that time. There was no thanksgiving in there. You didn't make any requests. You just complained, bickered, moaned, griped, talked about how unfair it was for you. That's not going to help you out. Be anxious for nothing. Got to make sure you do that first thing. If you feel, how many have ever felt anxiety come up about stuff? Come on. We've all felt anxiety come up about stuff. We get anxious because a a test can come. We get anxious because an interview is coming up. We get anxious because of a job thing we got to do at work. We can get anxious. Oh, there's so many things we can become anxious for. Something bad happens and the day's coming when it's uh, it's coming due or... (laughs) We can get anxious. Anxiety can be up, built up on the inside of us. And anxiety is an enemy to peace. He says, be anxious for nothing. That means there, are, there is nothing that you can be anxious about. Yeah, but you don't know what, it doesn't matter. He says, be anxious for nothing. Nothing. If you feel anxiety, who's wrong? Me. I'm wrong. I am not supposed to be anxious. Anxiety will come in, and it will steal your peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, it's going to guard your hearts, and it's going to guard your minds. Peace will do that. But if you take the guard down, all kinds of stuff can get in your mind. All kinds of stuff can get in your heart. Don't let the guard down. Keep the guard up. When the military is out, they have guard watches. What happens when it's 3 o'clock and the one guard is done? Does he leave? Not until the replacement comes. He may be on guard duty from uh, 6 to 3 or whatever kind of time he's, he's on guard duty. He may be on guard duty for a long time. When 3 o'clock comes, he doesn't just leave. He leaves when? When the other guy comes. If they leave that post unguarded and the superior comes over and says, how come you left that post? Well, it was 3 o'clock. It was time for, me, time for my shift to be over. <laughs> uh-uh. Did anybody show up to relieve you? No. Don't let the guard down. There's reasons for the guard being there. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How many like those spy movies and those movies, you know, where the Robbers are trying to get into real, real elaborate things, you know, like uh, what was that, Ocean's 12 and stuff like that. These, these real elaborate schemes they come up with to take from the rich and give to the poor or whatever they're going to try and do. What always happens when they are concocting one of these schemes, when the spy is trying to get into the facility, they're always looking for what? When the guard changes duty. They feel that's the weakest time. We've got to get in when the guard is changing. Then maybe we can find a little crack, a little hole in there. Here's the thing. Our guard doesn't take a shift off. Doesn't get relieved. The peace of God is always the guard. Doesn't need a rest. Doesn't need a break. It's always there. But don't let it down. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You may be okay in the anxiety part, but if you go to prayer and aren't thankful and don't come in with specific requests, your prayer time is going to pull the guard down. You don't want to have that happen. He goes on in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, 
Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So what do you do with stuff that, uh, that isn't noble, that isn't just, that isn't pure, that isn't lovely, that isn't a good report, that isn't, doesn't have any virtue at all, that isn't praiseworthy? What do you do with those things? Don't meditate on them. Don't do it. You got to kick those, those things out. If you do, you're pulling the guard down. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the peace of God will be with you. Not about praying. It's about doing. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Then pray them. Then say pray them. It said do them. You do these things and the peace of God is going to be with you. You need peace, you need more doing. The more you do, the more peace you get. Get out there and do this stuff. Well, that's how we get peace back for ourselves. How about with others? In Romans 14, verse 19, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Always be looking for an opportunity to build people up. Don't be tearing them down. Don't be saying nasty things about them. Don't be telling them, you know, well, you're no good here. You don't, nope. That's not the things that pursue for peace. Be saying good things, things that edify each other. Don't be sitting there and say, well, if only that person, only that boss, if only that coworker wouldn't talk about me this way or say these kind of things to me. No, don't do it. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. My wife and I, I think she was with me when we were listening to this, but we had to listen to a, a minister talking about being peacemakers. J Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. I think it was Pastor Bob talking about blessed are the peacemakers. And he was talking about the peacemakers there. The word is actually is people who, who, um, who make peace. People who don't cause trouble. People who actually look, look to solve problems. You know, there's some people out there, how many of you know these kind of people, that if they find some information about somebody or something, and they know it would be detrimental, can't wait to share it. <laughs> have, you, have you run into those kind of people? I mean, they find out some dirt on somebody. They find out something. They just can't wait to tell people. Did you know what so-and-so did? Did you know what happened to make people look bad or make people look, look poorly or to make others think less of them? That is not a peacemaker. That is not a pe person who's looking to make peace. Don't follow after that example. That is not a good example to go in. You want to go into an example of, of which Paul was. You go into a situation, don't look for where you can stir up trouble. Look where you can bring unity. Look where you can bring edification. Look to try and bring things together. And don't be one to stir stuff up. Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Oh, wow, what a promise for that. But go in there, always be looking. How can I solve things? How can I, you know, if you have some information and you know it would cause some trouble, don't ever let it pass your lips. You just hush up about it. Don't try and gain points with people by sharing it. It's not going to help you out. It's going to take peace down. Don't be saying it. That's the word of God. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. It's one thing for people in the world to pursue the things that don't make for peace. It's a horrible thing for Christians to do. 
Don't do it. Spirit of God's not going to lead you that way. That is not the path of peace. That is not the being spiritually minded as being carnally minded. And no wonder your life's in turmoil. Amen. First John 1 John 1.9. We need to have peace with God as well. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children... These things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. You have a problem with God, you go to God, you confess the sin. Jesus is the one who makes the peace. Jesus is the greatest peacemaker of all. He doesn't go up to the Father and say, did you see what they did? <laughs> no, he's out there to help us out. So we can have peace, we can restore peace in all these things. So when we need peace, peace is not what we pray for. When we need peace, peace is not what we pray for. Now how about praying for peace for others? James 2 verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? In other words, he's saying, let me paraphrase this for you and say it to you this way. You come up to a brother or sister in need and you say, let me pray for you. Father God, I just pray that peace comes upon them. I just pray that they are warm and that they are filled and that their belly is always full. And then you walk away. Well, I prayed. <laughs> That's not what it's calling for. What's it calling for? Action. You need to do something. Help them out. You're going to pray for peace for others? No, get in there and help them. Do some things. Have a peace for ourselves. In James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You want to open up the door to have more peace in your life? Make peace in others. If you are a peacemaker, generally you are going to be at peace. If you are a person who goes around and finds ways to, to smooth things out, to not cause anger and dissension and bitterness and stuff like that, to not pass on bad stories that you know will stir people up, that you have no business sharing, you will be in more peace yourself. I'll tell you what, I know some people, these are worldly folks. How many of y'all know some worldly folks that just go around and busy themselves in other people's business? Paul had some exhortations about people in the New Testament, about people that would go around and busy themselves in other people's business. And when he wrote to them, he was mostly talking to the women. He said, for him, the women were mostly busying themselves in other people's business. Now, that can be for the most part. There are still guys out there who like to busy themselves in other people's business. But for the most part, you know, guys have their hands full taking care of themselves, they feel like. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is, but uh, just be careful. Don't get into that. Don't get into, you know, women like to talk more than men do, and so you get to hear more things. Just be careful. If you want to be in peace, you need to sow peace. You need to go out there and make peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Flee also useful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Pursue it. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. 
There are some stupid things we can get in there to argue about that are not going to help ourselves out. They, no one's going to get saved. No one's going to get healed. No one's going to get helped. But we're over there arguing about all these different things. That's not bringing peace in. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. There are things we're to pursue. It is supposed to be a path of peace. There is a way of peace. Once you find the way, stay on it. Walk in that way. Don't go in the other ways. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. This is a real important scripture. When it says here, and let the peace of God rule, the word there for rule is the same word we would use for umpire. We're in the baseball playoff season now, and you know, behind the plate is an umpire. This is the guy who calls the balls and strikes. There's umpires all around the field. They call what's going on here. They call what's going on there. There are things that we need an umpire for. And if we don't have the umpire, if in football we don't have the referees, if in basketball we don't have the the refs out there on the field blowing the whistles and calling the fouls and stuff like that, then the game goes downhill. Even though sometimes we don't like what all the referees do, if we didn't have that, if no one was blowing the whistle, no one was stopping the play, it would, uh, it would not be a good thing. They need to, in an instant, rule, is it a strike? Is it a ball? Is it an out? Is, it a, is the person safe? Is the play good? Is the play bad? And they need to instantly make that, and by their decisions, go the game. They make good decisions, the game tends to be a good one. They make bad decisions, it kind of ruins the game for a lot of people. He says, let the peace of God rule. Let the peace of God be the umpire in your heart. How many times have you had to make a decision? A or B? Maybe even A, B, or C. But you got a decision to make. you got choices. Do I go this way? Do I go this way? Do I take this job? Do I take this job? Do I go in this direction? Do I go in this direction? What he is saying here is let the peace of God, umpire, or decide. Let the peace of God rule you. So when you are having an issue, this is what you can do. If it's a choice between A, B, C, or whatever, it has to be a choice for this to work. Because if an umpire is in there, he's either deciding, is it a ball? Is it a strike? Is it an out? Is he safe? It's a, it's, it's a choice. So Don't use this for everything, but this works when there is a choice. When you have a choice between two, three, or four, or whatever number of things, he says, let the peace of God rule you. How do you let the peace of God rule you? This is the way that I've worked at getting this in my life, is if I have a choice between a couple of different things, then I first off, I get down on my knees and I start praying in the Spirit. That's just how I do it. I pray in the Spirit for, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. I pray in the Spirit till I feel like I got my mindset right and I'm ready. And then I begin to envision myself going in the direction of the first decision, decision A. And I, I look down here for the peace of God. Do I have peace? When I envision myself walking out, taking that job, going in that direction, doing that thing, do I have peace? Do I feel the peace of God on the inside of me? If I feel something Jump on that. No, I don't feel peace about that. 
I don't feel God's peace on that. I go to the next one. I envision myself doing the next decision. I envision myself doing the third one. Out of one of those, the peace of God is going to say, that's it. That's the one. I say, all right, I'll go with that way. Let the peace of God rule you. If you are not walking in the way of peace, if peace is not a part of your life, this will not work for you because you don't know what the peace of God is. You're not used to the peace of God. You need to, to know what the peace of God is. You need to be in that. How many remember taking it, maybe it having happened this morning, taking a shower this morning, getting ready for church? How many, you know, get in the shower, you turn it. Some people like the shower hot. Some people like the shower on the cooler side. We all like it to be different. But once we get the water right and we get in under the water and the water's coming down and we're used to that water, that water's feeling good, you can tell when someone in the house does something flushes the toilet, turns on the water, because all of a sudden, the water that you worked on and you had that thing working just right, it's, it's good, and then all of a sudden, it goes cold. Oh, where did that come from? <laughs> Why? Because you're in it. You're in that. It's, there it is. You're in the, and then all of a sudden, it changes. Oh, that's not right, and you just get out. No, I'm not going to get it now. I'm going to wait for it to come back to where it was and because it's different. See, when you are in the peace of God, you're used to it. And then when you all of a sudden get into a situation, you're thinking about pursuing that particular area, and there's no peace there. Oh, hold on. That's like cold water in the shower. Mm, that's, not, that's not the right decision right there. And that's how you can let the peace of God umpire you. You don't always even need to take all that much time to pray about it. Sometimes someone will approach you with a decision, and it's either do what you're doing or do this one. And down the inside of you, hmm. Man, it's like cold water coming out of the shower. That's not right. Don't, don't feel like that's right. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That's something you have to do. You have to let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It's not going to do it automatically. You've got to understand the peace of God is the empire. You've got to look to the peace of God. See, a lot of times we sit there and we waste God. Waste time. Waste God's time. God, should I do A? Should I do B? Should I do C? I need revelation from you. Give me revelation. Have somebody come my way and tell me, do A, do B. That's not how God's going to move. What he's going to do, he's going to let the peace of God rule inside you. So he's going to say, well, you know, which way do you have peace? That's how he's going to speak to you. And you'll, you'll do fine. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. In Jude chapter 1, verse 2, Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. There's a lot of places where we see this, this thing mentioned, mercy, peace, love, uh, about mercy and peace, and love being multiplied to us. Multiply is good. How many of y'all know multiply is good? You know, if you're going to go in and you get a raise, and it, we're going to raise you 50 cents an hour, we're going to raise you a dollar, a dollar an hour, that's addition. You want Multiplication. We're going to raise you two times your salary. Glory to God. <laughs> Multiplication. We're going to pay you three times. Yeah. You mean overtime. What's overtime? Overtime is multiplication. Time and a half, double time, things like that. That's multiplication. Multiplication is far better than addition. You didn't know that when you were first learning it, did you? When you first learned the multiplication tables, didn't you all want to go back to addition? I don't like this. This is, this is hard. I want to go back to adding. But no, multiplying is better. It's better. 
Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Well, peace can be multiplied to you, but how is peace multiplied? The same way the other ones are. How is mercy multiplied? We were talking about this. I'm not sure which one it was. I think it was one of the Wednesday night services. So if you weren't here, you had to go back up there and catch that up. But mercy, the way that mercy, yeah, it was, it was on a Wednesday. Uh, same, same one, I think, the first one in First Timothy. Mercy is multiplied to you when you give it away. When you extend mercy to other people, God multiplies mercy to you. Now, if you go back up into 1 Timothy, the first one, you'll find out why that is so. You got into a little bit in there, and it's really worthwhile. If you don't know why mercy is multiplied to you because you give it away, you ought to go back up online and check that out because it's real important that you understand it. Mercy can be multiplied. How many of y'all know it's good to have more mercy than you need? <laughs> mercy is not getting what you deserve. It's a good idea to have a lot of mercy there. Have plenty of uh, mercy coming in the, in the tank. Mercy can be multiplied, but so can peace. How does peace become multiplied? By you going out and sowing peace with others. If you always go out and stir up strife and turmoil and say things that cause dissension, that cause people to get uh, upset with another, another person, you share stuff that doesn't need to be shared, you uh, divulge things that don't need to be divulged, you are not sowing peace. You need to sow peace. Sometimes sowing peace is just keeping your mouth shut. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Just shut your mouth. Just don't talk. And we can uh, do a whole lot of, not, uh, of getting peace multiplied to us. Have you ever been in a situation at work and you know something, something got divulged to you about the boss? And uh, people in work are talking about a thing and, oh, you want to tell them. Something rises up and he's, oh, I wish I could tell. I want to tell them this. If they knew this about the boss, oh, boy, that, this, that would just be juicy information. They would love to know this. But what's it going to do? It's going to make them look down on the boss. It's going to make them despise the boss or uh, look in an unfavorable way to the boss. Should you share it? Not if I'm going to be a peacemaker. If I'm going to be a peacemaker, what do I do? Keep my mouth shut. What happens if I keep my mouth shut? Peace is multiplied to me. Once again, multiplication, whole lot better than addition. Much, much better than, than addition. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. How do you get love to grow on the inside of yourself? Love other people. If you love other people, if you give love away, it comes back onto you. Love other people. That's what we need to do. As mercy is multiplied to us by giving out, as love is, is multiplied to us by giving it out, so the same thing is with peace. Now here's one, Matthew 5, 9. It's not in your outline. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. That's the reference to that one we were giving you before. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. I want to close with two, two verses here, two sections here. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Finally, brethren, Farewell. I wonder how many more things he says after this. Huh? <laughs> I heard one uh, preacher I was listening to. He said, all right, it's time now for the first closing. <laughs> first closing. And uh, I think he had three before the time was over. <laughs> Finally, brethren, farewell. Four things here. Become complete. This is what he tells him to do. Become 
complete. What a, I mean, what a powerful pair of words. He doesn't say be complete. He says become complete. The one of the things that we are to work on is to be a complete person. We need to complete ourselves in the area of love, faith, hope, peace, all those things, all those characteristics that the Word of God talks about. Peacemaker, like we're talking. We need to become complete. We need to take all those things and make them part of us. He says, become complete. First thing he says, Rafa, right there. Become complete. You can become complete. It won't happen by accident. You've got to look at what areas am I lacking in? What do I need to add? What do I need to, to, to bring in more? And you've got to target those things, and you've got to go get them. If you want to complete a project at work, if you want to complete a project at home, what do you have to do? Evaluate the thing and decide what is needed, what parts are needed, what materials are needed, what uh, skill is needed, what kind of people do I have to make calls to? Do we need this? Do we need that? And you, you need to look at what is needed and bring in the people, bring in the supplies, bring in the parts, bring in the pieces, and then get them all together. If you're going to become complete, you've got to evaluate, what am I lacking in? Be of good comfort. Be, be comforted. If you're not anxious for anything, you are of good comfort. Another way I think of saying just don't be anxious for anything. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Find ways in which you can agree with people and get along with folks and work on those areas. Doesn't mean you don't make a stand for the Word of God, but you can make a stand for the Word of God without being obnoxious. We know lots of people that can be obnoxious making a stand against the Word of God. But you don't have to be obnoxious making a stand for the Word of God. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. In other words, live in such a way that you are a peacemaker, that you are not stirring up strife with other people. You are not saying things you shouldn't be saying, poking your nose into stuff you shouldn't be poking your nose into. Live in peace. Be a peacemaker. Don't go around saying things that are going to make other people think less of other brothers and sisters. Say things that are going to make them think highly of them. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. You don't got to pray for them to be there with you. What do you got to do? Just do this. Be complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. What he's specifically talking about here is the God, God's traits of love and peace are going to be with you. People are going to say, wow, that person has the love of God in them. Boy, that person has the peace of God all over them. One more section here. Romans 2, verse 5. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. A lot of tribulation and anguish in our lives is because we bring it in ourselves. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good. Again, it is actions. Glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works 
what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Too often we are wasting time praying for peace and we're not doing the things that are necessary to get it. We're not doing the things that we need to do to walk in the way of peace. Most times, if you want to pray, if you are feeling a, a deficiency in the area of peace and you want to pray to get more of that, you simply need to, um, you, you simply need to, Father God, I need wisdom on how to handle the situation. I'm feeling, anx- I'm feeling anxiety wanting to get a hold of me. And oh, I don't want that. I need wisdom. And can we pray for wisdom? Oh, you bet we can. Surely we can. And then when I get wisdom, what do I do with that? I act on it. And by acting on it, I am then in peace. Because peace comes of actions, not of prayers. Actions. Have actions of peace. Walk in the way of peace. Do the things that lead to peace. This is the way we need to go. This is what we ought to do. You do that, peace of God will be all over you. Peace of God will rule you. Be like standing in the shower. Warm water cascading all over you will know as soon as the, the peace of God, as soon as the cold shower hits, oh, something happened, something changed. And you do just like you do in the shower. You stand back, you all right, what's going on? <laughs> you figure it out, and you get going. Peace of God, it is here to help you. It's here to rule you. It's here to be that umpire in your life. Let it be that umpire. Peace of God is a powerful thing. But don't sit down there and pray for hours on end. Waiting for, oh, God, I need peace. Oh, so-and-so needs peace in their life. No. We need wisdom. We need faith. We need the knowledge of what to act on. So we have faith for that. We need to, to know what to do from the Word of God. I need to know what kind of action should I take. How should I act? How should I go? We know that. Peace of God is all over us. If we ever don't feel like peace, what should we say? Word of God says that the God of peace will be with me. Word of God says that peace is multiplied to me. I have peace. I have peace all over me. I don't care if I don't feel peace. I have peace. Would you all stand up with me?